What's up, everybody? Welcome to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. So glad to be with you. Hopefully you're not uh, without power uh, as I was for 12 and a half hours last night. It was brutal. Oh my gosh, it was bad. The one thing I do know for sure, summer is here. And man, what I wouldn't give right now for a snowfall. And that will matter in our second segment. Because Mark Vandermeer is going to stop by and we are going to, well, it's going to be Christmas in July, but it's in June and it's really not Christmas, it's the holidays. But either way, at the holidays, we all have wishes and dreams. And we're going to talk about what our Houston Texans training camp slash preseason wishes and dreams are. And we're going to put those under the holiday tree in the second Segment will go around the NFL, but we're going to kick off tonight's show. The head coach of your Houston Texans, Mark and I had an opportunity to catch up with him today, and man, he was good. You bookend with Nick Casario with Sean and Seth in the morning, and now you have head coach David Culley with myself, John Harris, and Mark Vanmeer. Coach David Culley joining us right now at Texans Radio. And, Coach, how was it coaching the OTA section of the offseason, all these practices you had recently? It was so good, Mark, to get out, to finally get on the field and, and see our guys, uh, to be able to see what they're all about, let them see what we were all about. And, you know, the first time I got on that grass, I, I got so excited. I felt the same way when I first went out there to practice as when – Cal, uh, uh, name me the head coach of the Houston Texans. I, it, it, that was all over again because mm. in the first time it was like, okay, now here I am actually really coaching the Houston Texans and it felt good. Coach with no pads on and we get asked this question a lot. So I'll ask you your thoughts with no pads on because those are the rules. What are you able to get out of, an OTA session out of an off season uh, like you've had, what's the, the main thing you're looking to get out of that time period when you can't hit or be physical or do things like that with us, John, because we're new and it's been the first time we getting everybody together, just incorporating our system, incorporating yeah. our culture, uh, letting them see what we're all about, how we're going to go about doing things. I think that is very, very important to them understanding how they're going to be coached. Uh, and, and basically, that's what you get out of that. You, you're exactly right. Now, I, I've never made a decision on whether a player can or cannot play without shoulder pads on because that's football. But what you can do is you can kind of get them to running around out there. Uh, you can teach. Uh, you can teach some fundamentals. And then basically, once you get into training camp, which is the beauty of training camp, is that now you get to, to, to put that into effect and, and kind of really now see what things are all about. You know, so that's the most important thing. Coach, you've been such a technician coaching in your life and getting very specific. What's it like to oversee the whole thing? And where did you find yourself spending time? Did you spread it out evenly or were there certain areas where you might spend more time than others? Mark, I was all over the place. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, the reason I was all over the place is, is that because I, this is an excellent coaching staff. This, this is a, this is this this staff has been around and, 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 and know what it takes and knows what it's all about. Uh, I've worked with some of these guys before, some I haven't worked with, but I've, I've coached against them. And just getting around for me to see how how they go about doing things and how they 
how they do their teaching. And it was basically a learning experience for me because I found myself a couple of times in practice. Like, like you said, I was all over the place. Then all of a sudden I've been every place now saying, now, now where do I go? What do I do? <laughs> so I, I, all I did was kept going back and forth, going around. I actually, I ended up going around too and just talking to some people uh, uh, on the practice field, whether they were, whether they were our trainers, whether they were our equipment people, just kind of, t- you know, just filling th- things out and just seeing it and actually asking them questions. What do you think? How's things going? How's that? You know, and then especially during the individual periods when the coaches are actually doing all their individual coaching. But I'll tell you what, though, there there's two things that that really just resonated with me as a head coach here. And I couldn't get this in the same day is when we start practice on offense, they do they do a little uh, a bag drill where everybody but the offensive lineman. John, you've seen this where, they, where everybody but the offensive lineman, they go through a ball security drill. You know, I mean, and everybody that touches a ball, you know, get to do this drill. And yep. and then on defense, they they everybody on the defense goes down there and Tim does the ball security thing with all the offensive coaches. Lovey and his coaches do what they call they hit the sled. And I'm going to tell you something. I first started off. Obviously, I started with the offense first, not because I'm an offensive guy, but I started that first simply because. They were the drill that was closest to me. So I said, I'm going to watch this drill. So I watched that drill, ball security. Let me tell you something. Ball security is very important in this league. You protect the ball, you protect your team. And not only that, we always tell them, not only you protect the ball, if you protect the ball, you protect your place on this football team. So that's how important that is. And then, so I watched that drill. I love watching that drill, and we start practice with that. The next day, I went down to the defense, and they were hitting that sled. And let me tell you something. That has become... One of my favorite things to do is when we start practice with our defense, with that whole defense hitting that sled, you talking about adrenaline going now to see the defensive backs, to see the linebackers, the linemen, everybody hitting that sled. It just fired me up. And John, going back to what you mentioned earlier about and Mark about no pads. Let me tell you something. You don't have to have pads to hit that sled. Now they, they were doing a great job of that. And I get so excited I actually come out of that drill sometimes tired just from running my mouth and just talking to those guys about how to, how excited I am about them hitting that sled. But that, that, that's, you know, I've, I've, I've learned that basically I'm the head coach. We've got coaches here that, that run the offense, run the defense, run the special teams. And speaking of our special teams, when our special team spirit starts in the middle of the, of the uh, uh, practice, Oh my gosh, everybody on our football team is involved in that in some point, even our quarterbacks. So, to see those drills, and for me, it has been a great experience for me being able to see the big picture. You know, I never got to see the defensive guys do that before. I've never saw the entire special teams because when the special teams was going on, I'd take whatever guys that weren't on special teams and we'd start doing the individual drills. So it's been exciting. And I tell you what, because of that, being a head coach, that's a pretty good gig being able to see everybody do those things in practice now. How much do you have to fight it, though, coach, to allow those coaches to coach and, and not jump in immediately, maybe like you want to? I mean, you're the head coach. You can do it. Like you said, you've got a bunch of coaches on staff that are really good teachers. How much do you have to fight that urge to not jump in uh, and not be the guy that – because you've been that guy in the past just running the drills, teaching the receivers the routes, all that. You've been that guy. How much do you fight that to not jump in uh, in front of your position coaches, if you will. John, that is a great question. And I'm going to tell you something about that for both of you here. 
I said to myself, I said, if I ever became a head coach, I says, man, I hope that if, if obviously I've been on offense my whole career, I says, I hope that I don't start going over there in the receiver drills or quarterback <laughs> drills and all those drills and start go, getting flashbacks of what I used to do or how I used to do it. And I made a promise to myself and I'd be lying. And I, if I told you that that hasn't happened, yeah. it has happened. And as soon as it happened, I caught myself and I went away right away because I sat here and you said, I made a promise to myself not to do that. And again, uh, it has happened, but I have to catch myself now. And that's why, again, I got to remember you're the head coach. And here's the other thing. You hired those guys to coach and teach their way, not my way. We, we all have a way here, and it's the Texan way. And we all know that we know we do things a certain way, but you teach it how you know how to teach it. And so I find myself now getting much, much better. And listen, the OTAs have been a good lesson for, for David Gully, the head coach, from that standpoint <laughs> now. I've learned something through doing that. So I think that will help me going into training camp and doing the same thing. Coach, the three quarterbacks you had in these offseason practices with Taylor, Mills, and Driscoll, they're all at very points in their career, obviously. Tarad is 11th year, Mills a rookie, and Driscoll in between. How do you feel they picked up what you're trying to teach them on the offensive side of the ball? You know, Tim and the offensive staff has done a great job with that. And having 11-year veteran in here, like Tyrod Taylor, has been a blessing for Jeff and Davis. I mean, it's, it's been a blessing because, as I've mentioned before in a couple of interviews that I've done, Tyrod Taylor's a pro's pro. I mean, he knows how it's supposed to be done. He knows what it looks like. And it's been good having him here. And you know what? He's been great at, at, at giving information and being a great teammate. And that's the kind of people that Nick has brought in here, you know, from a free agency standpoint, that understand that. And that's winning culture. And, and, and basically, that's going to carry over later on with the young guys. And, and, it, and it serves our team well to see uh, a veteran like that uh, carry himself that way and, and give that information and do the things that he does to, to help us uh, get better. Coach, I know through the years you've seen rookies go from rookie minicamp to OTAs. And I'm sure there have been some that have been successful, some that have struggled, and that's carried over to training camp. How do you feel like your rookies got indoctrinated into the way you wanted to do things going from rookie minicamp on into OTAs and then getting ready for training camp? Well, John, the first thing about that is our rookies had uh, about two practices before uh, we started our OTAs. And right. when they were out there, it was kind of like, you know, they really don't know what they don't know, but they are giving great effort. They're doing things exactly like we want them to do it. And basically at the speed that they know, remember, this is just rookies. All right. So then we move farther into once the OTA started and the veterans came in and all of a sudden the speed of the game went up a little bit with those guys. And it was like, Oh, this is what it's all about. And what ends up happening with that, you talk about that learning curve and, and people learning is that when things go fast, like they do in this league, and our rookies right now, in, even in our preseason and training camp, won't see the speed of the game until the first game. That's when you really see what it's all about. And once that happens, you realize that mm, I got a long way to go. And they, that basically what that does, 
that John, you know, this, that brings you right back down to earth in a hurry. Then yep. you realize that mm, I got a long way to go. And I've seen guys that are, that have picked that up fast. And I've seen guys that have just taken a little bit more time to be able to pick that up. But listen, we'll let them do that at their pace. And when they're ready, they're ready. And if they're not ready, we'll keep trying to get them ready. Coach, as far as what goes in the install on both sides of the ball, what you're going to be running, how much were you able to get done during these offseason practices versus what you're going to put in in training camp? Can you hit the ground running in training camp? And, you know, how much install takes place during that time of year? Well, basically what you want to do is put in your base stuff that you're going to do. And, and we were able to do that. That's why these four weeks was very important for us. And once those, once those into that fourth week, we felt like uh, Tim, Frank, and Lovey, all three of the coordinators, felt like that we were exactly where we needed to be at this point as far as our installation. So when we come back in training camp, we'll start over again, start from square one, and move on and just move right on into our preseason games uh, uh, ready to roll. Coach, you mentioned the preseason games, kind of stealing my thunder a little bit. I will obviously have a better basis of comparison once they're done versus last year. But you've had preseason games your entire career up until last year. What was lost for players last year in those preseason games? And what will the young guys and guys competing for roster spots be able to do in those preseason games, even though it's just three instead of four? What are they able to gain by having those preseason games in 2021? As a rookie, I found out last year, no preseason games. The rookies that I thought I thought was ready. Yeah, weren't quite as ready simply because the speed of the game just hit them like that. Uh, I saw some rookies that were a little more hesitant than you expected because of not having those preseason games. And that's why right now having the three preseason games, that is invaluable for new players, or especially rookies, to get out on the field. There is no replacement for actually playing. There's no replacement for actually putting in your system and putting it in against an opponent and executing what you do, you have to do that. And to me, last year, I felt like, too, uh, uh, when I was where I was at before, uh, the one thing that I felt like not having any preseason games was I felt like we didn't really start the season uh, as well as you would have been as sharp as you normally would be because of not having those preseason games. I didn't feel like that. Uh, as uh, in the passing game, it's more so critical than in the run game and timing, not being able to get that uh, just through training camp and having the preseason games. Now you actually get to go out and, and, and execute those kinds of things and get a sense of timing and whatnot. And so I think now uh, it will, it will help our rookies and, and obviously our new guys that are on this team right now with the camaraderie, learning each other, being able to see how play off of each other. And you only get that playing the game. And those three yeah. preseason games are important for that. Along those lines, coach, everyone wants to know who's starting. I get that. But how do you handle that in camp? A lot of mixing and matching in the early going, because at some point you have to get ready for the Jaguars and get your lineup together. Right. Mark, I'm going to go back. Once you put the pads on, John, you know, this, that takes care of itself. Mark, it mm -hmm. takes care of itself. I mean, you, 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 we go through our practices uh, we give everybody an opportunity and then we come back, we evaluate. That's why you practice. And, and, and when you practice, you come back in and you look at the video and you say, yes, yes, he's not ready. Yes, he's ready. No, he's not ready. And that's why that's what preseason is for. And again, uh, uh, once you put the pads on, 
I've, I've, I've really never had a problem being able to find out if I'm putting the right guy on the field uh, uh, as long as I'm able to put him on the field and let him go out there and execute and do things in the end and give him enough reps to be able to do that, you find out. I mean, you know. And, and again, that's why not just the, the training camp, but those preseason games kind of makes clears up things for you. Once you put them on the field and give them enough reps, you can make a decision. As a matter of fact, John and Mark, they make the decision for you. They make that decision for you. I like so that. those preseason games, you know, we, we hit on them from a player standpoint, but also from your standpoint, the operation on the sidelines, people, you know, coaches talking down on headphones, throwing a challenge flag, all those different things that you now have the opportunity to do as a head coach. How important are those preseason games? Like, I know every game is important. I, I understand that. But just for you personally, making sure that the, the coaching operation on the sideline is where you want it to be going into the regular season, how important are they for you to get through those three games of 60 minutes each to kind of get a feel for everything before going into week one against Jacksonville? Well, we say preseason game. As a coach and as a player, when they're keeping score, the game means something. Right. All right? So when you go out there to play the game, we treat every game like it's a real game in preseason. Right. And you just mentioned a, a, a couple of points about our operation from the press box to the sideline. Operation for me, making decisions, uh, our substitutions, uh, you know, in, going in at halftime, making adjustments. All of those things are critical. And then with us being a new staff, new coaches, uh, new players, uh, you know, those three weeks are invaluable from that standpoint. And, and, and we, we learn a lot about each other during that time. So that, that's why that's critical. It's very important. Coach, one more here. How do you spend the next few weeks? I know you probably take a little time off. And how do you want everybody to spend this time? Because you got to recharge the batteries, but you don't want to unplug completely, or do you? How do you handle that? You got to unplug. You got to okay. unplug. That's why we had four good weeks here. And I'm talking about we went at it. We went at it. And we threw a bunch at them. And then now at that point, you, what we want to do is, yeah, you want to go recharge. You want to go still do your strength and conditioning. You want to go still do your fundamental work, but you want to do that on your time, you know, when, when, with your family, when you're there. And then when we come back, you're ready to go knowing exactly after going through those four weeks that we went through here, you know exactly what to expect. They know exactly what we're expected of them. And then when they get back, uh, they will be completely recharged. And as far as myself, Mark, let me tell you now, <laughs> Hey, Listen, I loved having them here for those four weeks. I couldn't wait for them to get out of here after I had them for four weeks. Okay. I had, I had just about all I needed of them right then to see what I needed to see simply because when they come back, when they come back in July, the end of July, about to start their training camp again, boy, but we, will we be ready for them? Yep. All right, coach. Well, thanks so much for the time. Have a great, couple of weeks off whatever the length of time is and we look forward to seeing you soon hey mark i'm off but we're never off you know yeah. how that is john <laughs> yeah hey yeah. i appreciate both of you you guys thanks. have a good good thanks, you, you have a good few weeks yourself thank you that was as fun an interview as we have done with coach colliers fantastic stuff there so we'll take that conversation and expand it a little bit more and talk about holiday wishes for your Texans in training camp in the preseason. We'll do that next right here on Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Texans All Access. 
Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access in the Desert. But that was definitely not the desert to start the show. John Harris, Mark Vandermeer with you. Mark, I got to say, Coach Colley was – he was excellent. There were things that he said where I was like, oh, wow, okay, that's cool. I like that. And I just, that was, I think, the best he's ever been with us. But that was really cool to catch up with Coach Colley before we get into this. As we call the desert, basically the break between the offseason and the start of training camp. Well, Johnny, look, he's a first-year head coach. Even though he's been around the league for a long time, this is the first time he's overseeing the whole operation. And I just think that it remains to be seen how everything's going to fit together. I thought you asked a good question about game day operations and the communication and such. The thing is, these guys have all been in the league a long time, most of them. So they'll figure it out. They'll come to a good agreement on how they can mesh together during game day and we'll take it from there i'm really excited to see how it all gets put together but i really enjoyed talking with him after he's coached the team for a few weeks i mean i always enjoy talking with him i enjoyed it before but i really enjoyed it after because now he's seen more of the squad obviously right. seen the squad uh you know in the first place and look every time we talk to him it's just going to be more and more information as he gets more acclimated because we're getting deeper into what is going to be 2021 for the squad? I'm, I can't remember if it was – I think it was Wednesday. Whatever day we got a chance to see the OTA practice last week, I think it was Wednesday, maybe Thursday. But I happened to be walking over the bridge. All of a sudden, comes tooling around on his golf cart, kind of screeches the brakes and says, Cully Uber, you want to ride? And I just – I thought back to other times where – that offer wasn't coming for a ride over to practice. And Coach Collie was just like, hop in. We talked, going down. He was telling me about, you know, fitting in and, and coming to Houston. And it just was – it was really cool. And then I was like, oh, wait a second. I'm still media. I get, Coach, you got to drop me off here. He's like, where? I was like, right here. He goes, no, 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 no we'll go. And I said, no, no, you got to drop me off here, Coach. But it was just cool to kind of spend uh, a few minutes with him, kind of heading over to practice. And everything that we learned about him – before we really got a chance to know him, I, I think it's coming to fruition. Now, like he said, he's got to put it all together on, on game day, 17 weeks out of the year, and see where it puts his team. But that, to me, is a really – I'm so intrigued by that, Mark, the operation and how the coaches communicate. And, you know, having you know having been a coach and me being having, having been a coach, it's like those things are really interesting to me, knowing how – guys are communicating and how well they're communicating with one another because the sideline might be the most chaotic place ever, especially once you get into crunch time and everybody thinks they got a play call. And then sometimes nobody's got a play call and you're the head coach trying to figure it all out. And it's, it can be total and complete madness amongst this really surreal, quiet like place and how a head coach kind of handles that. I think goes a long way in how, this group will look on Sundays because how organized they are, how they handle clutch time situations, situations that pop up during a game, how they'll handle those. So I think those three preseason games are absolutely massive. I don't know how a guy like Matt Rule last year at Carolina, Mark, I don't know how Matt Rule just jumped right in and started coaching. I mean, yeah. he never even sees players before training camp. I know he's been a head coach before, but he didn't even know his guys. He didn't even know who they were going into training yeah. camp. It was it's astounding to think what first-year coaches uh, did back in 2020 during COVID. These three preseason games are going to go a long way in helping 
first-year coaches, young coaches, et cetera. It's going to be great, I think, for David Culley. Well, there's another thing he said about players getting assimilated into the system about last year versus this year that I want to get to in a minute. But, yeah, I, I like what you just said. I, I think about last year and those scrimmages they had. Remember, we had two scrimmages at NRG Stadium where – they were kind of dress rehearsals, the closest thing they could get to preseason games where you have coaches in the box and coaches downstairs and a communication going just so you get the feel of that yeah. going into the locker room for halftime, coming out. And th that stuff looks really easy when you're a fan and you're just watching it. And I know that I know that college teams do that, but they also scrimmage, Johnny. I mean, when right. I was at the University of Miami, yes. they would scrimmage to the Orange Bowl yep. and get ready because they knew that they had to be ready to go when opening day arrives and uh, and they have to have all that communication down. So uh, that's one thing. The other thing is um, I, I just mentioned it. He mentioned the rookies last year and how the speed of the game was a revelation to them on opening yeah. day because yeah. there was no like are you joint practices, you know, practice with your team pads, joint practices, preseason games, then regular season games. You know, there's, there's a staircase normally, right, of sorts. Yes. Uh, last year you had training camp. The scrimmages are kind of the same thing, right? And then regular season. So it's an, it's a mega jump. Well, I was thinking about Kahale Waring because Kahale Waring is a player we're all curious about. And look, I don't know if he makes it or not. Former third round pick. We've talked about him a little bit, but that's a player who I think really suffered with that as, along with the rookies of last year or endured it is a better word than suffered where you really don't have the preseason games to get acclimated. He didn't have any preseason games in 2019 because he got hurt in right. Green Bay practicing with the Packers last year, obviously not. So he got thrown into the fire, if you will, along with Ross Blacklock and John Grenard and all those other rookies from 2020. So all those guys are going to get better reps this year, be better prepared for the regular season. And you really need them to on this squad and they need it for their careers as well. So I think that's a huge plus when you look at those particular guys. You must be in my head, and you and I can kind of figure out where we're going. Mm -hmm. But I want to take this segment to have Christmas in July. Actually, it's June, but it feels like July, so I'm okay in saying that. It's so hot, I think we wouldn't <laughs> mind for some snow tonight and make you think yep. of the holidays. Well, mm -hmm. for the holidays, as you know, you have kids, and many of you out there have kids, and they, they come to you with a wish list, mm -hmm. Santa's wish list. Well. We are going to have Christmas in July. We are going to have Houston Texans training camp holiday wish list. What are the things that we absolutely want under our Texans Christmas tree as we get into training camp? And, Mark, I'm going to let you think about one. But All you right. kind of tapped into one that I've been thinking about, and you mentioned one name that, that is part of this, but it goes beyond. My one of my biggest wishes is that Brevin Jordan and Nico Collins, among others, but those two in particular, mm. rookie, young pass catchers, can stay healthy for a full training camp. You mentioned Golly Ware, and that was 2019. Kiki QT in 2018, kind of all over the place. I mean, we were up to Greenbrier. He was three practices, he looked great, and then he missed three weeks. 2019 was Kahale wearing. You could see it in OTAs, like there's something there. Then he gets the concussion up in Green Bay, and that season's done. Last year, Isaiah Coulter kind of out for a few days. 
in for a few days, out for a while, and then he never got his feet underneath him. We haven't seen a young pass catcher, tight end or wide receiver, come in, be a part of every single training camp practice, and then every single preseason game. Because I think if we had seen that, we would have seen one of those guys develop as a rookie and then ascend from that point. But they weren't able to stay healthy. Kiki with the hamstring, uh, Kale with the concussion, Coulter last year dealing with a couple of things. Young pass catchers haven't been able to stay healthy. When we've seen guys stay healthy for significant periods of time, and they're out there day after day after day, we see the improvement. But that's really been something that has slowed down young pass catchers. Nico Collins and Brevin Jordan, I know it sounds logical, but even more so because of the history of what we've seen recently, the young pass catchers have got to stay healthy. My wish is that all the hamstrings and all the quads and all the calves and all the labrums and all the, all the, the head things or whatever are all in good shape for Brevin Jordan and Nico Collins and really let their young athletic talent as a pass catcher, as pass catchers, shine. That's my first wish. Mark, what is yours? Well, I, you know, I think health, you know, obviously health is a, a pretty apparent need here. Uh, but you're right, Johnny, because with these rookies or younger players in general, you know, Brandon Cooks is a little nicked up and it's nothing serious, but he's going to be back in a week or whatever. It's during camp. You're fine. Right. Yeah, but right. you're right. These younger guys, they can't afford to miss the reps, can't afford to miss the time. So that's a good one. Here's here's one of mine. I want the starting five of the offensive line determined as quickly as possible that those guys, whoever they are, they gel together. Everybody sees it. It's apparent and not because of injuries to other guys, but because, oh my gosh, I think these guys are the ones and I want them together. Now, People kind of freak out during camp when, oh, my gosh, so-and-so is working out at left tackle or right tackle or guard <laughs> or whatever. People freak out about that stuff, and I understand why. But you and I know it, and we've pointed it out many times how in game situations, very often, all of a sudden, you know, you're thrust into a situation where you have seven active and they're all playing, and you're down to your last house on the left on the O-line, and they all have to know how to switch positions accordingly if necessary. But I want those five determined as quickly as possible. I think more than any other position group, you know, quarterback is pretty obvious here, but we all know that that's a unique situation on this squad. Uh, I think the offensive line, I mean, this could be a real strong position group for this team. And, hey, if they play well, you're running the ball well, everything kind of feeds off those front five. If they're doing their thing at a good level, I mean, my gosh, you could be a whole lot better than some people think you will be. No doubt. Now, like you said, health is like that big box sitting over in the corner, and you know it's the PS5. Like, you've got, you got to have that one. <laughs> So the health is there. Mine was more specifically for the rookie guys and the rookies. Yeah. My second wish is that within the first week of pads being on, we absolutely no doubt see it from Ross Blacklock. Like there's no question that he is the most dominant defensive lineman out on the field. Physically, man, they can't block him. Holy cow, he's in the backfield. He's running guys down. Uh, he's doing some good things in one-on-ones. Then after a week, wow, and he's staying healthy, but after a week, we all sit down and go, are y'all watching Blacklock? 
this dude is on a different level to me that I think they're the, the addition of Jaleel Johnson of Malik Collins drafting Roy Lopez. They don't all fit. And Ross is a different guy than those guys for the most part. But to me, this defensive line will go to a different level when Ross Blacklock becomes Ross Blacklock. Like when he becomes that guy, like you would say during a game, stop by Blacklock. Like when you go into that, like guttural, I want to see that during training camp because that means that absolutely without question, the light has gone on. Mm-hmm. The offseason worked for him. That first year was an anomaly, and he is going to be a, a game record from the inside. And hopefully that's something, that's one of my wishes, that within the first seven to ten days, we really see it from defensive lineman Ross Blacklock. Okay, I like that a lot, Johnny. Uh, staying on the defensive side of the ball, I'll go Lonnie, all right? Lonnie, it's Lonnie time. You're yeah. going to wear the number one. And in this system, the way they're configuring things on the back end, he's got a chance to make the leap that he wants to take, that we want to see him take, and let's see if it happens. That's one of my wishes. Let's take that leap, Lonnie. We all know that we need player X at corner opposite Roby to emerge, right? But I can zero in on Lonnie at safety and say, come on, let's go. This is it. And... Let's see if the the new staff and the new Lonnie and wearing the number one, you know, you wear number one. I mean, that shows something, okay? That's not a lack of confidence there to wear number one. (laughs) So I I can't wait to see it. And that's a big wish for me, that that all works out for everybody involved. I saw him in a hallway the other day, and I said, um, I said, number one, huh? I said, you couldn't get six because number six was his his number in, um, in college. Yeah. At Kentucky. And obviously he went to a couple of junior colleges before he got to Kentucky. And he's like, nah, and he kind of started to say something. And he went, nah, man, I'm a number one. And I was just like, man, I, I'm with you like that. If I could share a wish with you, that, that would absolutely, that would be that my next one. I'm gonna stay with the defensive side of the ball too. And it kind of is along the lines of Ross Blacklock, but at the defensive end spot. Except I don't have a name. I don't really want a name. I want multiple guys. But I want to see at least one edge guy. I don't know, Jordan Jenkins, Whitney Merciless, Charles Amenu. Now, I'd like to see multiple guys. But I want to see one of those guys emerge as, man, our tackles, Titus, Cannon, uh, Laramie, they really can't handle this guy. They can't handle Omenahu. They can't handle Whitney. That we look around and go, man, Whitney's gotten his juice back. Or, boy, Charles is ready to play defensive end this year. Or maybe it's a surprise. You know, I mean, Jordan Jenkins, I like Jordan Jenkins. He's kind of an, I don't want to say every man, but he is, he's able to do a lot of different things for you. I think Jordan Jenkins has got an opportunity to do some things. But I want to feel like after the first week of training camp, we're saying to each other, okay, I'm starting to see some of the seeds of the pass rush, and we're going to be able to rely on this guy, uh, player X, if you will, to be able to rush the quarterback and get back there and create havoc 
I'd like to see guys from the inside, but I think we've got to at least see it from somebody on the outside that can win consistently. And we're really starting to see that through training camp and first game against Jacksonville, that guy's letting loose. And we really see the seeds of a excellent pass rush coming together. I don't know which guy it'll be. I'd love for it to be guys, but I, we got to see at least one guy. My wish is for at least one guy to emerge as a really, truly threatening guy off the edge. All right, Johnny, I'm going to save the best for latest, and that is the quarterback position. And Nick Casario was on with Sean and Seth, and David Cully talked about it. Look, it's a one-day-at-a-time thing with you-know-who, right. and this is me talking, not them, but obviously you'd be crazy not to prepare for the season as if, you know, this is what you're going with, right? The three quarterbacks that you've had at OTAs, and you got to assume that just for the sake of preparation, okay? So to me – Obviously, I want to see Taylor have the best possible year he can possibly have, right? There's no doubt about that. But I think that for the overall health of this football team and the franchise in general moving forward, it would be so great to see Mills just completely get it, to understand everything, to have control of it when he's out there. Whatever reps he gets, he just looks really good. Training camp preseason games they go live he looks great whether he plays or not he looks the part and plays the part I think that that is going to be a big boost to this squad no matter what happens down the line look we can talk about about record and everything but I'm just talking about the future of this team I just think it strengthens everything so that's a huge wish for me because I, you know, I know Taylor's going to do his thing. I've seen him play. I know he could do the job. Uh, but this is obviously somebody you drafted who has the upside. But I want to see it on the practice field. So it's a training camp wish that we just see it right away. Wow. Okay, that looks pretty good. That looks really good. That gives them choices, options, future considerations. Who knows? But it's going to be a boost for this squad. My last one comes out of our conversation from Robert Prince because he mentioned. Going back to Japan, he was born in Japan. He lived in Japan for, I can't remember how many years he said he lived there. But he said he went back to Japan with the San Francisco 49ers. And I knew exactly what game he was talking about in the preseason. And it was a game that someone who almost was ready to walk away from the game made one play, and that led to him eventually being the running back for the Denver Broncos for a long time. He turned himself into a Hall of Famer. My wish is for someone to come out of nowhere. Mm. Victor Cruz, Terrell Davis, somebody that nobody sees coming. Nobody. Arian and I don't Foster. know who that might be. Maybe it's uh, Tavira Thomas, a defensive back. Maybe it's Shaheem Carter. Somebody through a preseason game makes a play, comes out of nowhere, and you're like, yo, who's this? I mean, Victor Cruz was no one. He was an undrafted free agent, and he blew up a preseason game. The next year, he is doing the salsa, and he's an all-pro. I'm not saying that we're going to find an all-pro, but who's that mystery guy? I wish that there I, – I really wish there's a mystery guy that steps up, and you're like, man, you know what? <laughs> this guy is killing it. Could this guy make the team? Could this guy be a starter? Man, could this guy end up being one of the best in the, in the division? Could he be the best in the league? One of those guys steps up and becomes a surprise. That would be a really nice final Christmas 
wish. Mark, we're going to have a pretty plentiful Christmas tree if we can get all those uh, all those wishes underneath it uh, and celebrate the holidays. But uh, that was that was very good. I'm gonna make sure we write these down and we'll check them at the end of preseason and we'll see whether uh, we got coal in our stocking or we got our uh, Christmas wish to come true. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Johnny. There he is, Mark Vandermeer, the voice of the Texans. Coming up next, we'll go around the league. Yeah, it might be the offseason for some, but there's still stuff happening in the NFL. We'll cover it next right here in Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access. A big thanks to David Culley for joining us today. Nick Casario in the morning, David Culley at night. But we hit it right here on Sports Radio 610. The 610 crew got Nick in the morning, Sean and Seth, and then Mark and I had a chance to catch up with David Culley. So a lot of stuff heading off into the break or the desert, as Mark calls it. When it's supposed to be dry, but it really isn't. We've got all kinds of content that we'll have for you over the next few weeks until we get to training camp. And man, we cannot wait. All right, let's go around the NFL. Let's keep keep it with a Houston homeboy here. Daniil Hunter of the Minnesota Vikings agrees to a restructured deal, which will get him back to Minnesota. He, we didn't see him last year in 2020 because he was dealing with an injury, but 2019, he was unbelievable. So he got to Pro Bowl status, 14 and a half sacks in each of the last two years, but 2020 being hurt, he is now uh, going to get uh, more money early, basically. But he is going to be sticking with the Minnesota Vikings. One guy who is not at mandatory minicamp and can be an issue is Stephon Gilmore. Now, he is not an issue himself, but he is holding out. He makes $7 million a year. How did that... Oh, wait a second. I think I know who was involved in doing that. How do they get Stephon Gilmore to get $7 million a year? Either way, he's not at mandatory minicamp. He is officially a holdout. I guess if that's the right way of saying it. I guess that's the stamp we put on them. But it's not as if the Patriots lack for corners. I've been working on a top 100 series, the Harris 100, the best players the Texas face in 2021. I've got not one, not two, but three Patriots corners on that list. Stephon Gilmore is one of them. J.C. Jackson was outstanding last year. The other one's Jonathan Jones. Those three guys can cover. But no Gilmore. It's a lot of pressure on Jones to go back outside. So we'll see what happens with Stephon Gilmore. But he is not present for mandatory minicamp. And we'll see if that lingers on into training camp. Jameson Crowder got a deal done with the Jets. Von Miller said, we don't care. We've got Drew Lock, we're good. And Jarvis Landry says OBJ will have his best year ever. Or something to that extent. Big thanks to Coach Kelly, to Mark Vandermeer, to all of you for listening. Joanna in studio, y'all the very best. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.